Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to our midweek online Bible study. And we're studying Hebrews, taking a look at Jesus as greater and superior to all. Let's review for just a moment. Chapter 1, we learn why Jesus is greater and superior to all. In chapter 1, we also learn why Jesus is greater and superior to the angels. Then we looked in chapter 2, where we learn that Jesus is greater and superior to any human. It is through Christ, as the God-man, that the fallen man is crowned with glory and honor. We receive salvation from the man, Jesus Christ. So this time we're looking at Hebrews 3, 1 through 6, as to why Jesus is greater and superior to Moses. Let me read these verses to you. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as a builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Now, just listening to those verses, I think it's obvious about the greatness and superiority that Jesus has over Moses. When you read the entirety of Hebrews, you discover that some of the Hebrews that are being written to here we're going back to Judaism. Some of the audience in this letter to the Hebrews was now going back into Judaism or they were thinking about going back into Judaism. These verses are written to show the superiority of Christ over Moses, who is the great leader of Judaism. And the future verses we'll look at will also show how Jesus is superior and greater to the covenant led by Moses and all the sacrifices under the Mosaical law. Now, Hebrews, don't get the mistaken idea, is just about a theological treaty or theological arguments. It's more than that. As you are reading through the first two chapters, you notice how the writer connects the theology of the superior and greatness of Jesus to the practical application of everyday living. Go back for a moment to Hebrews 2 verse 1. And this is where it's showing that Jesus is superior and greater to the angels. And then he draws this practical point leading up to Hebrews 2.1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so we don't drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Hebrews shows that Jesus is the greatest and superior human ever to live theological in chapter 2. And then it connects it to the practical application about temptation. Look in Hebrews 2 verse 18, that connector. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help us when we are tempted. 
And in this lesson, our text theologically shows that Jesus is greater and superior to Moses. And it ends with a practical connection to remaining faithful, which we'll see in Hebrews chapter 6 at the end of this lesson. So right now, let's go back to what we've just read and look in chapter 3, verse 1, and see how it begins with our fellowship with Christ. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling. Notice what he begins with. He asks you to realize and to remember who you are. You're in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, if you've trusted in Christ for salvation, then you need to realize what God has made you. You who are in Christ Jesus, you are in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that fellowship says three things in particular. Notice, he calls you holy. Secondly, he says you're a brother or a sister. That just doesn't simply mean that we're brothers and sisters in the church together, but rather that you are a brother and sister to Christ. He is your elder brother. You're related to him. You have been by grace been brought into God's family, and he is your older brother. Third, he says, we share in the heavenly calling. What a fellowship of Christ, isn't it? Holy, a brother and sister to him, and sharing in the heavenly calling. Isn't that incredibly encouraging? He begins this passage on the Christian life by saying, we need to stop and realize who we are. The fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. The fellowship that John will say in his first letter is one that brings us incredible joy. I want you to think and stop for a moment. When was the last time you really pondered and realized who you are? You have been made holy in Christ. You have been made a brother to Christ or a sister to Christ. And you're now an heir together with Christ. You're related to the inheritor, Jesus Christ, and you have been given this heavenly calling. You are a sharer in that heavenly glory. See, God made you for that. You're a pilgrim on the way to a city which has its beautiful eternal foundations, Hebrews will talk about later. And, and that defines you. And so he starts with this fellowship of Christ. You can't live the Christian life by faith unless you come to faith in Christ. You must trust in Christ in order to live the Christian life. It's the only way you can live. And the Bible asks you to believe things that sometimes you just don't feel like believing. They, they are beyond how you feel or how you think at the moment. So what you have to do next is to focus on Jesus Christ. He begins with our fellowship of Christ, and now he moves to the focus on Christ. Here's what he says. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, as that old song says. Consider him, dwell on him, meditate on him, reflect on him, focus him, ponder on your med mediator, uh, excuse me, upon your mediator. And notice he brings two things particularly to your attention. He says that Jesus, who's the object of your faith, because Christians just don't believe in believing. We're not taking a leap of faith. Our faith is in a person and in God's promises. And so he says, here's the object of your faith. Jesus, fix your thoughts on him. Consider him. He is your apostle and high priest of your confession. 
And what does that mean? Well, an apostle is someone who's sent from someone to someone else in order to be a representative of that person to someone else. He's God's apostle to us. He's God's representative to us, just like the apostles were the ones sent by Jesus to represent Christ. And a high priest represents, by God's appointment, his people to him. And the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is both the apostle sent from God to you, and he is your representative from God to you. In other words, he is the mediator that you need. He's the go-between that you need in order to have communion with God. He's the one who represents God to you and you to God. How, how does Jesus do that? What does he do? Well, as we saw last time, he takes on our flesh, our human nature, our life, and he lives among us, fully human, fully divine to be sure, but fully human. And as our apostle and mediator and high priest, Jesus in our flesh and blood is the object of our faith. And that embodied fully human that humiliated Savior is the Savior by which you attain salvation. And it is with Him we have fellowship. And it is on Him that we fix our thoughts. Which now leads to why Jesus is greater and superior to Moses. When you read verse 2 through 5, listen to the comparison. He was faithful to the one who appointed Him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of the greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Now let's begin with the importance of why Moses is even selected here. Moses was a great and extraordinary man of God, wasn't he? What made him so great? Well, just remember when he's a few months old, he's put in a basket and goes down the Mahal River, and he's saved by the daughter of Pharaoh. He was raised in Pharaoh's court when he should have been killed. He was the anointed leader of the Hebrews as he grew up. He became over 80 years old at the time and leading the people in an exodus out of Egypt. His powers came from God as he stands before Pharaoh. He, he throws all these plagues upon Egypt by the power of God. Signs and wonders he was able to perform like the parting of the Red Sea, manna from heaven, water from a rock, a bronze serpent raised in the wilderness to save those that had been bitten by poisonous snakes. When you read Deuteronomy 34, the last few verses that in this book of Deuteronomy, it states that no one has ever shown the mighty power of or perform the awesome deeds that Moses did in sight of all of Israel. And that is going to be a true statement until Jesus arrives on the earth. Moses was the mediator between God and the Hebrew people. God spoke to Moses, remember, like on Mount Sinai? And Moses would convey that message to the Hebrews, and God wrote on the tablets of stone, and Moses gave that to the Hebrew people and gave the rest of the Mosaic law. To Moses, who in turn, as a mediator, mediator, gave it back to the people. He was the great intercessor. One time he interceded on behalf of the Hebrews when God was fed up with them. And God told Moses, I'm going to wipe out the, this entire group and start all over with you. And Moses says, don't do that. And he intercedes on behalf of the people. And he saves the people that God wanted to destroy. 
He's, of course, known as the great lawgiver. On Mount Sinai, he receives these tablets of the law we said just a moment ago, the Ten Commandments, and now the rest of it that's known as the Mosaical Law. He was a military leader, won every single battle he ever went into, never lost a military campaign. He was the judge. He was so good that the people lined up day and night to get his counsel and judgment, so much so that finally the father-in-law, Jethro, had to tell Moses, you can't do this, it's going to burn you out. You need to start appointing other judges to help you. He's the author of Genesis through Deuteronomy, wrote the first five books. And in Numbers 12, verse 3, it says he's the most humble man to have ever lived on the earth. And then in Deuteronomy 34, it talks about him being the great prophet. It states that no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew, now notice, face to face. What a relationship, face to face relationship. And he did all these signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. He's the great prophet. So just from those things I've just mentioned, there's no question that Moses was a great and superior and extraordinary man of God which makes the focus on Jesus' greatest and being superior over Moses even more superlative, doesn't it? Look at the comparison. Look in verse 5. Moses is called a faithful servant in God's house. But notice in verse 4, Jesus is the builder of that house. In verse 3, it tells you that the builder of the house receives greater glory than the house itself. Jesus is the builder of the house. Now that house metaphor in the Old Testament refers to God's people as well as it does in the New. In Zechariah 6 verse 12, it tells us that the Messiah will be the one who builds the house, who will build the temple of God. He's speaking of building the household of God, building a people for God, building the family of God, and Jesus did that. As great and excellent life that Moses had, how awesome were the works that were accomplished by Moses by the power of God. It pales in comparison to the greatness and superiority of Christ. So remind yourself that you're in fellowship with Christ. He makes you holy. He makes a family, the house of God, where we are brothers and sisters with him. He makes us an heir, an inheritor in that family sharing in the heavenly calling. In fact, Paul says in Romans that it's through all this that Christ has done for us, where there's no condemnation, where we're added to the family, that by the Spirit of God, we can call God Abba, Father. Fix your focus on Jesus. He's the great apostle. He's the great high priest. He's faithful to all of us. He's greater and superior to Moses. Now, having laid out the theological reasons as to why Jesus is greater and superior with this excellent illustration here, he now connects it to a practical application that I want you to see in verse 6. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. What's the practical application? Don't abandon Christ. Don't go back to Judaism. Don't lose your confidence. Don't lose your hope. These words here are designed to motivate you, not to encourage you, rather, not to give up, not to quit, not to stop. Go down a few more verses to chapter 4, verse 1. 
Since we have these promises of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of us be found to have fallen short of it. We need to focus our thoughts on the hope that we have in Christ. That's what gives us confidence. I mean, we're in this period of time right now where it seems like our entire focus is upon chaos and turmoil and conflict and disease and people wearing masks and how to get school started back and how to get back what is normal. And all of our thoughts right now are on all these fears and all these things that just seem so real to us. We know it's temporary, but it just feels like it's so permanent right now. And it's interesting that the more you look upon reality, the larger and more fearful it becomes. In fact, C.S. Lewis one time said, reality looked at long enough becomes unbearable. That is so true, isn't it? Reality looked at long enough can become unbearable. Have you ever just kind of looked up something because you were, you were concerned about it and you read about it and you read about it and you read about it and finally say, you know what, I, this is just too much information. It's just too unbearable to read. I remember when Sharon was going through cancer and the type of cancer she had. So I studied it and looked at it and read about it and read about it. And I would share that with Sharon. I'd share it with her. And she goes, look, I don't want any more reality. I don't need any more of that. We, we walk by faith. We're praying about this. We're putting this in God's hands. And we went to see our doctor. The doctor, we were saying, here's all the information we learned. And our doctor told us the following words. He said, look, you know what? Forget the information. You're an individual. You're an individual. We deal with you one at a time. We don't deal with percentages. I love that. It's so encouraging. Reality looked at long enough is unbearable. Unbearable. And so when we go through things at times, it can be overwhelming. It can make us lose our confidence. It can make us kind of waver in our hope. If you stare at the way things are for long enough, it can depress the most optimistic person. The most cheerful of us will be depressed if we look at all the things that are wrong long enough. So what Hebrews says is, look, you're in fellowship with Christ. You fix your thoughts on Christ. Later on, we'll say you fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. And here he's saying, look, you have a confidence and you have a hope in Christ. You are God's house. Jesus is building your life. Jesus is building this house. And this house built on the rock will not fail. Your confidence is in him. Your hope is in him. And he's asking you in the midst of whatever troubles you may be going through, that when you go through them, lift up your eyes and look at the hope and fix your thoughts on the confidence that you have in Christ Jesus. Your confidence and hope is in Christ Jesus, who is greater and superior to all. He is greater and superior to the angels. He is greater and superior to any human that has lived. And he is greater and superior to Moses. And as Hebrews 4.11 says, let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Rest in the promises and the hope and the greatness and the superiority of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior.